Number 21, I believe, is where we are. The letter U. Anybody anticipating what that word is? Before we get there, let's bow our head for prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings to us. So many blessings. I pray that you would give us a blessing tonight in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and your divine touch and help and presence as we look at these letters for this evening. Preparing our heart for the coming of the Christ child, this great celebration of your birth. May it be more than just the tinsels and toys. Lord, that your presence would be real to each of us. The special, special part would be made real to us as well. Blessed together in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I guess this will get added into the, the recording. I failed to mention it's good to have some additional whites with us tonight. I should have said that earlier. So glad for Steve and Brenda being here this evening. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 9, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. I don't know if you found found a, a word in there that fits. You know, the king, uh, King's English, King's scribes translating the, the King James uh, translation, they, they use the word till instead of until. So we're going to go to a different translation and use the word until. The letter U, until. The star that they had seen when it arose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. What exactly was that star that the wise men saw? The Greek word, I guess, uh, is a very general one in that it could refer to any bright object in the sky. It could mean a star, it could mean a planet, it could mean a comet. Now, that comet would, might be it, you know, because they, they move and they're a beautiful sight. It could refer to some unusual conjunction of, uh, of planets that would produce some extremely bright object or a light in the skies. Or just maybe it was just simply a star that God prepared for this very moment. Because there was a special star that was seen by the Magi. You know, it's not hard for me to believe that it was a special star for this special moment because God prepared a fish to take in Jonah, one that he could live in for a few days, one that responded to the the voice of God when it was time to exit his internal hideaway. A star, this special object that was 
that was prepared. But whatever it was, whatever it was really, somehow these people, these men, these wise men, these magi knew that it was his star. That's the questions that I'd like to have answered. How did they know? How did they understand? They're, they're people from a distance. They didn't, they didn't have everything that we have in the way of understanding or knowledge, we would think. We're able to read the back of the book. They didn't even have the book to read. But they knew that it was his star, and when they saw it when they were in Jerusalem, they saw it again, they were overjoyed, and it led them until until it came to where Mary and Joseph and the child was living. That doesn't sound like a comet. It doesn't sound like a, some uh, normal thing that might be seen in the skies. It was something that was prepared. A special light from God sent to give direction to this group of people traveling so that they could find Jesus. And they followed it until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So when we look at this word until, we could understand within the confines, within the context of that word, that it means a guidance that was very precise, came and stood, or it it hovered over the place until it came. Specifically, there was a precise thing going on with this star. Don't you like to have your GPS give you a precise destination? I remember when we first moved here, if you typed in 10303 Weisbach Road, it led you to what used to be the Baptist church in town. If you recall, the Baptist church in town had just gone through some turmoil 16 and a half years ago. It wasn't something that we, that, that, that we liked, something that I was thrilled about when somebody would say that it led them into that place. I said, well, let me give you real directions. We want to know the direction. We want to have precise direction of where we're going. And this star gave them precise until it stood. It came over where the young child was. Precise. Now let's just venture away from where we are in the in the Advent season and look at this just briefly. You see, we have a star. God has prepared a star for us. It's a light. We call it the light of God's Word. The Word of God is the light from God, and it will, it will navigate us through, it will navigate us through the darkness, the dark maze of this life to a precise a precise, the precise presence of God in the next life. Folks, tonight we don't have to wonder. 
God has given us His Word. It is a light unto our feet. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a a lighted path for us. His star is shining so that we can follow. You know what causes us to have confusions and things? It's when we get our eyes away from the Word of God and out of God's Word and we begin to delve into our personal. When we find ourselves looking at the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, you know those terms that Scripture uses to tell us that we are looking and using the wrong means for guidance and for direction. God's Word gives us is a light to lead us through the dark maze of this life. Not just to some random place, but to the precise place. So we come back into this context of the verse and the word until the star seems to have appeared in the east and, and then it disappeared. And so that would explain why they were extra joyed. They were overjoyed when they saw, as they came out of Jerusalem, they saw the star again. They were overjoyed by that. The reappearance of the star meant that they were on the right track. Can I jump over into where we, were, where we might be living for a little bit again? Do I need to, or are you hearing it within the story? We're hearing it within these words about the, the Magi, that they, they realized when they saw the star they were on the right track. Uh, we can get lost in our own world. We can get lost in the maze of our own ideas. We can get lost in the maze of the world's ideas and lose sight of where we are. And the only way to get back on track is to see the star, to get back in the Word. You see, God always, always gives us enough guidance to do His will. God always gives us enough guidance to do His will. But the revealing of His will, the guidance that He gives us to do His will, will never contradict His written word. It'll never contradict his written word. Oh, I got light from heaven. Well, if it's not the same as what's written in the light book from heaven, God's word, the light, then it's not the right light to be following, plain and simple. We need to understand that. We need to get it right right into the depths of our heart and in the depths of our mind, not in a shallow place that is easily cast off. Somebody said, we know these things until we forget. And isn't that the truth? There's sometimes that we get so caught up in whatever is going on, whatever is taking place, however our life is unfolding, and the troubles that are coming upon us, and it's easy for us to forget. That's why it's important that we stay in the light, we stay in the Word. Compare everything to the Word. 
Well, somebody's opinion, I'm tired of... Well, you know, we just forget about people's opinions. Let's make sure that it's Scripture that is being given. The context, the principle. And again, you're not, you're not probably, you're probably, most likely you're not going to go wrong if you're, if the direction that you're going is leading you closer to the Lord and further from the things of this world. Because holiness is that way. Maybe we could even ask a question here as the uh, Magi were leaving Jerusalem. And I don't know if they were in a direction yet, if they, if they knew where they were going specifically. I don't know that they suspect, that they believed that the star would reappear. Do you think they believed that the star would reappear or that they were on their own at this point? But what we do know is that the light appeared. They were overjoyed. What else do we know? Let me say it to you this way that we know about these magi. They followed the light that they were given. They followed the light that they were given and they knew it was his star. And it led them to the exact location. We've looked uh, across these uh, last several services at a number of different uh, words. And so many times we've looked into the specific things of, of supernatural and, and how God did things. And, and we can look at these magi again and realize that there was a, there was a, a, a direction. There was a specific thing. There was, it, it was intentional, not only on their part, but we have to understand that God, even in all of the travels that was taking place, God arranged their journey all the way from home to Bethlehem. Well, why did God divert their direction to Jerusalem? That's out of the way, maybe we could say. A little bit like the different puzzles of our lives. We think that the piece needs to go over here when really it goes over here. But in the end, we realize that they all fit together. All of them work together for our good. God orchestrated, God arranged their journey from home to Bethlehem so that they would meet Jesus, so that they would worship, fall down, and worship Him. So, well, what does that have to do with us? Oh, it should be our prayer and our desire, the hunger of our heart, that we too would follow His guidance in spite of earthly wisdom, in spite of earthly circumstances, and in spite of personal desires, follow the light that he gives us. Follow the light that he gives us. Let's look at the letter V. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. This one's not hard. You probably already have it in your mind. Even though we've talked about this specific, this specific aspect, but not letter V. We haven't got the letter V until now. 
The virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel. Let me ask you a question, and I want you all to answer it. Every single one of you that are, that are mentally capable of answering this question, I want you to answer this question. You don't have to answer it out loud. I want you to answer this question. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Do you believe in the virgin birth? You say, well, what difference does it make? It makes all the difference in the world. I think we covered that a little bit this morning. But it's been, uh, it's been about 2,000 years now that Christians all around the world, not just here in Martin County, not just wherever Steve is from, where they live, in, in their locale. They probably, they probably say this up there where, where he lives. They, they say this down, down where, where Crystal Servants is from. I'm pretty sure that, that they say it in the church that she's, uh, she's from there at Hope Sound. 2,000 years, Christians have repeated this phrase, a part of the Apostles' Creed, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin Mary. You see, the Apostles' Creed, this statement of our faith, what do we believe? Do you believe in the virgin birth? You know, there's, there's a lot of disagreements among Christians. We can't, we can't agree on a whole lot. We can find it. We can find, in Christendom, we can find a whole bunch of stuff that means nothing to argue about. It's happened. You say, well, don't, don't tell me to not throw stones. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just stating the way it is. We have argued about stuff for 2,000 years. Some of it has no bearing whatsoever. We just argue it. But the truth is that we must unanimously affirm, we must unanimously agree in all the branches of the Christian church, if we are Christian in our beliefs, that we believe in the virgin birth. It changes everything. It forces us to confront what we believe about Jesus Christ himself. Who is he? Where did he come from? Because at the heart of it, the issue is the supernatural character of the Lord. Supernatural character of the Lord. Is He truly the Son of God from heaven? Do you believe in the virgin birth? If you answer yes to that, then you'll have no problem understanding that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. The virgin birth. Christians really make a, make a claim for Jesus that can't be made for any other person. His life did not begin with His birth or even with His conception. I'm a believer. I, I truly believe that life begins at conception. There's some people that don't want to believe that. They don't want to agree. Some people, even in Christendom, don't want to believe that yet. I believe that 
that life begins with, but with the life of Christ, it began, his life didn't just begin at birth, it didn't just begin at conception. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking about Jesus Christ, he's been, he's always been, he's been with the Father, a part of. Well, I can't understand that, and you can't explain that. That's right, I can't explain that to you. But the Word was with God. The Word was God. It's been said that for Christ to be our Savior, three things must be met. Three conditions must be met. First of all, He must be a man. An angel could not die for us. This one that was to be our Savior had to share our humanity. Number two, he had to be an infinite man. A mere mortal could not bear the infinite price that must be paid for our sins. And number three, he must be an innocent man. A sinner could not die for the sins of others. And our Lord fulfills the condition in every single capacity. He was born of Mary. He is fully human. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He is fully God. He was born holy. He is sinless. He was sinless in thought. He was sinless in word. He was sinless in deed. Every aspect. Any way that a person thinks that humanity sins, Jesus was sinless in every Every situation. He's fully qualified to be our Savior. The angel told Joseph to name him Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And there we find the connection of his birth, of his saving work on the cross, going from the cradle to the cross. The virgin birth matters because it tells us who Jesus is. It lays the foundation for the great work He will accomplish on the cross. As much as we believe in the virgin birth, it's not the virgin birth that saves us, but without it, we are not saved. V stands for the virgin birth. The letter W kind of slipped up a little bit ago when we were done singing, and I used a, a, a word that began with W. Got ahead of myself a little bit. Luke chapter 2, verse 18, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Wondered. Have you ever wondered about things? Some translations use the word amazed, and another one uses the word marveled. You know, the story itself, the entirety of the story itself is incredible. It sounds incredible. Maybe we could say especially the part about hearing the angels in the middle of the night. And then not, not to even mention finding the, the Son of God in a feeding trough. You know, we've gone over these things repeatedly here in the last few services. 
Maybe it's even more of a wonder and more surprising that God chose lowly shepherds as his first evangelist. Wonder. Amazement. Somebody said that amazement comes in two varieties. The first has to do with the temporary fascination over an unusual turn of events. Has to do with a temporary uh, fascination over an unusual turn of events. Are you thinking about what that could mean? Let me give you a suggestion of what that could mean. Okay. In July at the Catfish Festival, if the Wise Ball softball team won the tournament, it'd be a point of amazement. We'd wonder. Well, you know, not only supernatural, it'd have to change up because I think that last game is on Sunday. And so, you know, if, if, if our team were to win, it would really be amazing because somehow along the way, it would, things would have to change up. A temporary fascination over an unusual turn of events, amazement. The second kind of amazement, we could call it holy wonder. And that holy wonder would be an awe that comes from seeing God at work in the world. You heard me say it before as a child. I don't know how old I was, but I wasn't very old. I don't think I could sit on the front seat at, at camp meeting and put my feet on the floor. I was still pretty small dangling my feet. And we watched as, as O.W. Willis anointed Uncle Charlie, and he was, he was completely crippled. He had to be carried into the tabernacle, service after service, and carried out of the tabernacle. And that one service, when O.W. Willis anointed him, he walked out of his own accord and Four of us boys were sitting on the front seat, and we saw his limbs and fingers straighten right before. We were in amazement. It's a holy wonder. We can go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we'll discover that God created the entire universe out of nothing. He spoke, and the stars were in place. He spoke and the earth took up its orbit. He spoke and, and white-tailed deer graced the landscape. He spoke. He spoke things into existence. He speaks and it happens. He took a lump of dirt and he made a man. He takes a rib out of that man and he makes a woman. I'm talking about holy wonder. You see, when we, we, when we read Genesis 1 and 2, we encounter something, we find something that is truly wonderful. There's, it's full of wonders on every hand. But not only do we find wonders in the, in the first couple of chapters of the Bible, we also find wonders in the final chapters of the Bible, in the final book of the Bible. Revelation, even chapter 19, tells us that when Christ returns, he will have written on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. And at that time, he will establish his kingdom on earth. All the earthly kings will bow before him. 
get a picture of that. All of the worldly kings will bow before the king of kings and the Lord of lords. These people that think that they're high and mighty, these people that think that they have the the bull by the horns, that they have life wrapped up within their grasp, they will bow before the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's come back to the present. Christmas is indeed a cause for holy wonder. Amazement. How can it be that God should become man in such a lowly place? We ought to be amazed at Christmas time. The greatest wonder of it all is that we can be transformed by His coming. We, you and I, can be transformed by by his coming wonder you want me to go on to number four you want me to save it to next week you want to go on i saw a head shaking i think it was even a young person so let's go on to the letter x oh maybe we'll just save that for next week vbs continued stories i need maybe i need some more time to think about x Have you thought about X? What can we possibly look at? Begins with the word X. Or the letter X, excuse me. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. It doesn't matter what translation you use, it's not going to be there. But let me read this verse to you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I know it's hard for us to to accept. It's hard for me to accept. But let's take a little bit of a time, a little bit of of a moment here to look at it. The letter X is an ancient symbol for Christ. Don't shoot me. Because the letter X stands for the first letter in the, in the Greek word for Christ. And I wish I knew Greek so that I could pronounce it, and I can't, but it, I'm told that it's pr- pronounced Christos. R.C. Sproul's explains it this way. Christos is the New Testament Greek for Christ. The first letter of the Greek word Christos is transliterated into our alphabet as an X. That X has come through church history to be a shorthand symbol for the name of Christ. In Luke chapter 2 verse 11, it uses three words to describe Him. Did you catch three words to describe Him? The one word is Savior, the second one is Christ, and the third one is Lord. Each one of them are vitally important. Savior is an Old Testament word that means one who delivers his people. Savior, one who delivers his people. Christ is the Greek version of the word Messiah, and it means the anointed one. Lord is a term for deity. It's a synonym for God. 
When we find somebody, I don't know if you've ever found somebody like this or not, but when we find somebody who has hit the very bottom, all that they have left is the knot at the end of life's rope. Have you ever met anybody like that? They were at the bottom. And then it finally settles into their heart, into their mind, that Christ was born for the sinner. Yea, Christ was born for them personally. When that thought begins to settle into their mind, they have a sense of being overwhelmed. Sometimes we get overwhelmed when responsibilities press in and we think that's being overwhelmed or or we're running up against a a, a deadline and and we're a long ways from completing the project in a short amount of time before that deadline uh, hits us. Those things are overwhelming to us. But when a person who is at the very bottom of life and, and they're hanging on to the knot at the end of the rope and it might even be saying that the rope is fraying and just above them. Anytime all hope is gone, they, they really don't have hope even hanging there. But when they begin to realize that Jesus died for them, there's a sense of being overwhelmed. There's a prisoner that was in Wisconsin, and he wrote these words. After 19 years behind bars, he said, I have been overwhelmed by the grace and the mercy of Christ. I've been given a wonderful peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm absolutely convinced that had I not come to prison, my life would have been completely devastated beyond repair. It's now been 19 years of incarceration, and these years have been the most refreshing and enlightening years of my life. I am truly blessed beyond words. What does that have to do with anything? What it has to do is that the only, the, it's only by the grace of God that can enable a person to talk like that. Only the grace of God. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I, I, what I'm trying to say, and I, and I hope you make the connection right here, at least if you haven't already made the connection, that Jesus is the Savior, He is the Lord, He is the Christ. He is the sent one from God. That is the heart of Christmas. God loved us enough to send His only begotten Son. And so even tonight we realize that the X in the alphabet stands for the representation of Christ who is our Savior and our Lord. And that is what Christmas is all about. We call you Lord because that is what you are. We call you Savior because you came to save us from our sins. We call you Christ because all God's promises are fulfilled in you. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen. You say, well, Brother Ziegler, is it okay for me to use Xmas on my Christmas cards? Absolutely not. Please don't. Let's keep Christ. We speak English. Let's keep Christ in Christmas. But I think it's amazing to realize that the X 
that comes all the way from that language of the Greek as a representation of Christ. Christ, our Savior, our Lord. Let's stand together. probably a good thing that we did that for tonight so that I have two next Sunday because I think I can spend a little bit extra time talking about the letter Y. The letter Y. I'm looking forward to it. I hope the Lord gets me beyond myself as we look at these final two, especially that letter Y. God help us. Have a good week this week. Celebrate Christmas. Tell somebody about Jesus. Lift up his name. Smile at the cashier. Wish them a Merry Christmas. Let's be a light to those around us. Light that leads them precisely to his presence. God help us. Thank you so much for your attendance, for your attention tonight. Lord bless you. James Tedrow, would you dismiss us in prayer?